0: What's up everybody and welcome back to another episode of OT Takes, Overtime Takes, whatever you want to call it. No ZG today, it's just me. So this is going to be, it's a little weird for me going solo, but I'm really excited. You know, these Wednesdays are going to be a lot of fun. I was supposed to have a guest today, but they had something come up so they weren't able to come on. I'm not going to drop his name because he's going to come on later. Hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be able to find some time for him to come on. So, with that being said, we got some football today, and we've got some basketball, and maybe a little bit of baseball. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of see what I'm feeling here at the end, and whether or not I, I want to talk about the Dodgers-Astros last night. I'm, I'll probably talk about it. So, this news is a little older. Me and Zach did not go over this yesterday. So, last week, the Seahawks traded for, for, uh, for Jamal Adams, who plays for the Jets, the safety. And I honestly don't know whether or not I like the trade you know and I'll kind of explain what I mean in that here here in a minute but here's what the Seahawks gave up for Jamal Adams who's a great safety by the way so they traded a safety of their own Bradley McDougald. no clue who that is unless you're a Seahawks fan you probably don't know who, the, who that is either but they also gave up two first round picks a 2021 first round pick and a 2022 first round pick and then they gave up a third round pick in 2021 as well and New York sent them obviously Jamal Adams and then a fourth round pick in 2022 and then you know Jamal Adams has to pass his physical do all that stuff which he'll he'll do he'll be fine but here's i guess the question for me so as soon as Jamal Adams became unhappy he immediately became very vocal did was very vocal about everything he didn't really like about being and playing for the Jets you know, right he he went after his head coach said said he wasn't a good leader He did everything like that, you know? And as a Seahawks fan, I'd be a little concerned. Like, am I going to get this this happy Jamal Adams? Like, did he want to come and play for Seattle or no? Because if he didn't want to come and play for Seattle, then you're going to have the same problem, right? He's going to be bad-mouthing Pete Carroll. Even though I will say Pete Carroll is great at handling personalities, so I think he'll be fine. But still, like, you want to be sure that Jamal Adams is happy there, right? Because the last thing you want is for him to show up and for the first thing that he does is to go to the media and start bad-mouthing, you know, the Seahawks organization, right? So that's just kind of the only real question that I have about the trade. Like, is Jamal Adams going to be happy here or is it going to be more of the same thing where he's he's bad-mouthing, right? So with that being said, I've got one more football thing. And if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that I love Carson Wentz. Okay, Carson Wentz is my guy. He's great. He's super talented. And Carson Wentz has been left off the top 100 NFL players list. And I just don't understand it. I mean, they got guys. They have Ryan Tannehill in the 60s. All right? they got Josh Allen on the list. All right? Kyler Murray's number 90. Right, like they've got all these guys on the list who are just—they're just not better than Carson Wentz. It's simple as that, right? And so, but then again, it's also hard for me to really buy into list, buy into this list, considering had Case Keenum ranks at number fifty-one uh, a few years ago when he when he led the Vikings to an eleven and five record. And so I just turn turn on your TVs and just watch Carson Wentz play. Right? I know I've been talking about him ever since you know the podcast started. So I'm going to try and be quiet, but this is outrageous, just point blank. Uh, He's easily, easily a top ten quarterback in the league. He could be top five. I probably wouldn't put him in my top five just because of the injuries. But, like, he was healthy this entire year last year outside of the playoff game. You know, he took these scout team wide receivers and beat the Dallas Cowboys to to clinch a playoff berth. And, look, they probably would have beaten Seattle if he hadn't gotten hurt. And I just think that you know he needs a little more respect. And so I've, as I was reading into this, a lot of people think that it's because of Nick Foles and the fact that Nick Foles won the Super Bowl and Carson Wentz didn't, right? But can we please remember that before this, Carson Wentz was going to win the MVP before he got hurt. Okay, he, Carson Wentz also clinched home field advantage through the entire playoffs for Nick Foles, right? And I think that it's fair to say now that Nick Foles is clearly a backup quarterback. Maybe a bottom end starter, right? Like, I mean, he lost his job to to the six round pick Gardner Minshew in Jacksonville, of all places, right? So I think that we just need to kind of forget that. And look, like Nick Foles was a he was a normal backup quarterback through that playoff run, right? He he comes out in the in their in their first round and he plays great, right? And then next round he kind of he played okay, like he was very up and down. And then obviously, you know, he he played great in the, in the Super Bowl. Right, and that's the only thing that that people remember, right? So he had one great game, a good game, and then like an okay game, right? Whereas you know we've seen Carson Wentz be great multiple times, especially in that twenty fourteen season, right? So I just think that we need to take a step back and really take Carson Wentz for what he is, and that's a very talented quarterback, right? So I, I found this list um, that a writer for NBC did. And he ranks, this This list came out um, on the 7th of July. He ranks the top 40 quarterbacks going into this next season, okay? So I'm going to read the first probably 20 to 25 just to kind of give you all an idea because I don't know why he ranked all 40 because, I mean, there's only going to be 32 that really play. So here, here we go. So number one, the obvious, Pat, Pat, Patrick Mahomes just signed a huge deal, right? Number two, pretty obvious, Russell Wilson. He has Aaron Rodgers at 3, Deshaun Watson at 4, Lamar Jackson at 5. I'd probably have Lamar Jackson at 3, Rodgers at 4, and then Watson at 5, but I'm not too, too upset right now. Six, he has Carson Wentz, which I think is a very fair spot for him. Seven, Matt Ryan. Eight, Dak Prescott. Nine, Matt Stafford. Cam Newton at 10, which I – look, if you've been listening to the podcast, there's no way Cam Newton's a top-10 quarterback in the NFL – He's not accurate enough. I know he's. I know people want him to be great for obvious reasons. Su- super talented, big, strong, big arm. Not very consistent, though. You know, he had the one great year, and he won MVP, and then got absolutely crushed in, in the Super Bowl. But anyway, number 11 is Ryan Tannehill. 12 is Kyler Murray. 13 is Kirk Cousins. And then we got three old quarterbacks. He goes Big Ben, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Phillip Rivers, Josh Allen, Derek Carr, and then a guy who doesn't get – any respect whatsoever in the NFL comes in at 20, and he should be top 10 on this list. Jimmy Garoppolo of the San Francisco 49ers is 20 on this list. 21 is Baker Mayfield, who hasn't lived up to the hype. 22 is Daniel Jones. 23 is Sam Darnold. 24 is Jared Goff. Drew Locke at 25. He's got Joe Burrow at 26. So he's he's got Jimmy G down here with all these quarterbacks who are just starting out their career and have hit some bumps or just aren't on very good teams, right? So you mean, okay? I think everybody would agree with me that Jimmy G is a better quarterback than Josh Allen. Okay, Jimmy G at this point in his career is better than Phillip Rivers, right? Ryan Tannehill's eleven, which doesn't make any sense whatsoever. He had a solid year this last year with the Titans. But the reason why he was able to throw the ball is because Derrick Henry was so dominant on the ground. But here, let me give you some numbers on Jimmy G. Because I just don't think that we we give him, you know, the respect that he deserves, right? This is his first year being a starter for, for a whole season. You know, his first year in San Francisco, he, he, he tore his ACL. So he's coming off an ACL injury, first year being a starter. And here are were his numbers. So he won 13 games. They went 13-3, and went to the Super Bowl. Okay, so they they were tied for the most amount of wins during the regular season. 69% completion percentage was tied for fourth in the NFL. Through for 27 touchdowns, just was tied for fifth. He had four fourth-quarter comebacks tied for first in the NFL. Had four game-winning drives tied for first in the NFL. His pass rating was 102, which was eighth. How is this dude number 20? Right, like... He 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 did everything that we want our quarterbacks to do, right? He he rallied his team in the fourth quarter, brought him back to win games, right? And when when you come back and win, it's not running the football, right? Because that's that's what people say about about the forty ers right? They love to run the football, and they do, and they run the football very well. But when you're losing in the fourth quarter, you, you can't run the football. You have to throw it, and that's what they did, and, and they won, right? I know everybody remembers his game in New Orleans where where they beat the Saints. That game was amazing, and I just don't understand, like. What does Jimmy G need to do? Like he he took his team to the Super Bowl. Outplayed Patrick Mahomes for the first 3 quarters, right? He missed one throw that game. Was it the biggest throw of the season? Yes, it was. But I mean, come on, like the dude missed one throw. It's his first year being being a full-time starter. Like just cut the guy a break, right? So he's easily in the top 10. Like he's better he's better than Matt Ryan and Dak Prescott and Matthew Stafford and all those other guys. I like, I'd, I'd probably have him at Somewhere between seven and ten. You know, I probably have slide Drew Brees up and Tom Brady as well. And I just I I just I saw this list and I, I had to bring it up here on the show today because I just can't believe that he's he's so low. Right? So that's that's all the football that I have for today. There's my, my Jimmy G and, and Carson Wentz rants. Cause I, I know that you guys love hearing me talk about those two guys. So with that being said, we're gonna slide over to the NBA. Where their official seeding games start on Thursday, which is tomorrow. And so I, I was doing my, my, my reading up on this, and here's a rule that I think a lot of people have forgotten about that's really important. So if the nine seed is within four games of the eight seed, then they have a play in series, right? So the east is pretty much set. They only brought nine teams from the east, whereas they brought thirteen from the west to kind of play to play in the bubble. And so the Wizards are five and a half games back of the magic. So in terms of them leaping the magic for the eight seed, not going to happen. Okay, there is definitely a chance though that they do have a playing series. But let's be honest, y'all don't really care to hear me talk about the magic and the wizards. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to slide out over to the west where it's so much more exciting, right? So the Grizzlies currently hold the eight seed, and the Pelicans, Trailblate, no, the Pelicans, Kings, and Spurs are all three and a half games back. And then the Trailblazers are four games back. Right? So, there's going to be a playing series over here. The question is, which teams are going to do the playing series? And I'm going to tell you, it's, it's going to be the Pelicans and, and the Grizzlies. Just simple as that. It would not surprise me at all if the Pelicans actually jumped over the Grizzlies and took the eight seed. Because the Pelicans have the easiest schedule of any team in the bubble based off of opponent win percentage. So... I found this chart where they kind of break everything down and the likeliness of kind of who ends up being where. So they give the Pelicans an 8% chance to be the eight seed, and they're really confident in the Grizzlies with an 87% chance. To look, three and a half games back is a lot, but the Grizzlies have the 7th seventh t- seventh toughest schedule of anybody in the bubble. right? And they're a young team. Young teams can be inconsistent. Would not surprise me in the slightest if the Pelicans leapfrog the Grizzlies. And then they'll, they'll, have, they'll have the play-in series. So I'm I'm excited. I don't know if I like the play-in series yet. I think for this year, I think it's good just because this whole year has been kind of weird. But when we kind of get back to our set 82 games, no play-in series, right? Because, like, if we both have 82 games, and then, you know, that should weed out who's, you know, the better of, of the two teams, right? So, now, maybe if they're, like, tied, then sure. Like, let's let's do it then, but... I don't think that there's really is a need for a play-in series any other season. So, lastly to wrap it up, this is really short, is I'm going to talk about the Dodgers last night and for playing against the Astros. It was a game that I watched and fell asleep in the middle of because living on the Eastern time zone now really sucks. <laughs> so, I turn it on and I'm watching. Sadly, I-, I fall asleep before Joe Kelly tries to hit Bregman and Bregman Ducks. And then later, he comes back, and he, he throws a breaking ball at Carlos Correa's head. Ball doesn't break, and then Carlos Correa's upset about it, right? And I'm If you've been on Twitter, I'm sure that you've seen it. So he ends up coming back and throwing him a bunch of nasty sliders and, sh- and striking out Correa. And he's making these baby faces at him as he's walking off the field, and Carlos Correa gets all butthurt about it. It was great. I thought it was so funny. That may be my my favorite thing that happens in sports all week. So, but look, I understand that, like, Dodgers fans are upset. But I don't have a problem with what he did to to Carlos Correa. But that – he threw a 96-mile-an-hour fastball around Alex Bregman's head. You you can't do that. I don't care how upset you are. If if you want to hit a guy, you hit him in the hip. Or if you want to scare a guy – You throw behind him, like like Noah like Noah Noah Syndergaard did to Chase Utley several years ago in the in the NLCS after Chase Utley slid and broke their shortstop's leg. So I just that's that's kind of the only problem that I had with it. Benches clearing was kind of stupid. It was just you know like Korea you struck out go back to the bench. But I don't blame you know Alex Bregman like if if Alex Bregman had come out I wouldn't have been upset at him at all. Because, I mean, you can't throw a 96-mile-an-hour fastball around somebody's head. That's dangerous. You can really hurt somebody doing that. So, man, I'm really ending on a negative note today. That's not good. I don't like doing that. So we're going to talk about one more thing then because I don't want to end on a negative note. So I have a dark horse team that could really make some noise and mess some things up on the western side of the bracket during this NBA playoffs. So right now, the Mavericks are supposed to be a seven seed. The Mavericks are also on pace to put together the greatest offensive season in NBA history in terms of efficiency and, and things like that. So right now, they're supposed to be a seven seed. If they remain the seven seed, then they're probably going to play the Clippers, right? And look, they won't beat the Clippers. Cl- Clippers are the best team in the NBA. They're gonna I, they're gonna roll through everybody except for the Lakers, and they'll beat the Lakers in five or six. So, if the Mavericks play the Nuggets as the six seed, because they're I think they're only a, a couple games back of the Rockets, who, do, who currently hold the six seed. If they can leapfrog the Rockets and be the six seed, they can one hundred percent beat whoever gets the three seed, which is probably going to be Denver, because Denver is really good. They can shoot, they can shoot the ball. I think Kristaps Porzingis is a tough matchup for Jokic, and people forget how good, <clears throat> how good of a defender. Kristaps Porzingis is. Very athletic, long, can jump. So, I just watch out for Dallas. Would not surprise me in the slightest if they win their first round of the playoffs. They have a great head coach in Rick Carlisle. So, just watch out for that. So, thank you guys so much for listening. I know it was short. I'm going to try and get a guest on here next week. So, yeah. So, that's been Overtime Takes for today. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at... OT takes. follow us on Instagram at Overtime underscore Takes, and leave a review, you know, let us know how we're doing, you know, if you want to message us directly and be like, hey, I like this part of your podcast, I think you should fix this part up, then please do that, and yeah, so this has been Overtime Takes, thank you guys so much for listening.